Hey, Phil, I finally figured out how to get body cameras on Madison's patrol officers. How are we going to do that, Scott? We just call it progressive. Oh! That's what Madison's new police chief, Sean Barnes, called body cams right at the outset of our meeting when we asked him about it. Now, just to be clear, he emphasized that this is a community decision, not his decision. But boy, this guy is definitely a fan of not just using technology such as police cameras to improve policing in our community, but also to crunch data and improve efficiency. It sounds like the new super weapon of the police is going to be an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah, I was impressed with this guy. Progressive is okay, but if you really want to get something past the Madison City, City Council, you, you got to call body cameras a socialist tool. <laughs> a democratic socialist tool. It's a tool of democratic socialism to provide an equitable society for our future. Sean Barnes, he's a former hostage negotiator, so he has a very calm demeanor and he's good at listening and making concise points that are really good points. He's talked about how violent crime is his number one priority. He really wants to diversify the police force. More so than it already is. And that includes not just racial and ethnic diversity, although that is important, but also diversity in thought. He talked about how some of his best recruits for police departments elsewhere have been waiters and waitresses. I wonder if he's had any police uh, recruits who have either been cartoonists or editorial page editors. (laughs) We should have asked him. To bring our unique skill set to the world of policing. Well, today on Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics, We play clips from last week's editorial board meeting with Sean Barnes. I'm Scott Milfred. I'm the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are half of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. The more law-abiding half, I think, Scott. Absolutely. Phil, here's what Police Chief Barnes said when we asked him about police body cameras. I believe that progressive 21st century police departments should have body-worn cameras. Body-worn cameras are listed in the president's 21st century report on policing, Pillar 2, which deals with technology. I also want to explain my background in body-worn cameras. So Greensboro was the first department in the country to give every patrol officer a body-worn camera. We paid through them through our Greensboro Police Foundation. We had body-worn cameras uh, before Mike Brown and Ferguson, before it was really popular Mm. to have those. The background, of course, on this is Madison is one of the few cities of its size and only a third of police agencies in Wisconsin that does not use body cameras on its officers so that when people question an incident... We don't just have to go with what one person said and another person said. We can watch what happened and make our own decision. What's weird about Madison in particular is that while body cameras kind of nationwide are sort of this tool that progressives have decided we need to have to hold police accountable for their actions, in Madison it's the progressives in our city council that have kept body cameras from our police officers and have always found an excuse as to why not to have them. While it's been the more mainstream members of the city council have been pushing for body camera usage in Madison. As have communities across the country. I thought the chief was very clear about the cost of the cameras. Body-worn cameras, it is a huge expenditure 
for municipalities, and they need to understand that. They need to understand the costs associated with it because it's not the type of program, from my experience, that you can roll out on a budget. You need to know exactly what you're getting into, and that goes with the issue of storage. It goes with the equipment. It goes with the personnel that will be needed to actually manage that program. When I was in Salisbury, my second police agency, they had purchased some cameras that, quite frankly, it was bargain prices. And bargain prices got you bargain material. And so we had to fully switch to a new company that would give us what we need. The city right now, we're just trying to get a pilot program for like 150000 just so we can have a few cameras on one part of the city, the north side. And he actually didn't even like the idea of having it in one part of the city. He liked the idea of spreading it citywide to see how it related to other officers without cameras. Boy, that seems like a smart idea to me, actually. One thing we often hear from critics of body cameras on police is that, oh, the police can manipulate them and they don't turn them on if they're going to bust somebody's head or something like that. Chief Barnes really stressed how the technology has improved. Body-worn cameras have evolved tremendously from cameras that automatically turn on when your blue lights turn on automatically turn on when your gun is unholstered and there are cameras now that are attached to a Fitbit. So you wear the Fitbit so that the the program knows what your resting and normal heart rate is and then when your heart rate is elevated it turns your body worn camera on. The chief said cameras don't really change the behavior of police. They do initially But after a while, police and the public become acclimated to police having the cameras and those benefits slip. He said what's really a benefit is that the people get to see what happens and that's what they want to see. And that builds trust. Sounded like he was a little critical of what we thought of as a good government rule where, you know, now if there's a police shooting, the police department doesn't investigate themselves. A different organization will investigate the police department. But sometimes the body camera footage can't be released at that point if there's an ongoing investigation, which can cause problems. If an officer has a body-worn camera and he has a law enforcement use of deadly force, then we would ask our state authorities to come in and investigate that case. When that happens, any evidence associated with that, including the body-worn camera footage, would not be available to me to release to the public for an exact account of what happened. I would be barred, if you will, from showing that unless the state agencies would allow us to do it. And they probably wouldn't because it's an active case. Now, once they're done with the case and they make their decision, they can show it. But Scott, I'll be honest with you, as a police chief, I want that out early. My experience with COPA in in Chicago, the agency that's responsible for investigating officer-involved shootings, their policy is to get the body-worn camera footage out within 60 days. And they, they normally run within 30 to 45 days. And what that does is it gives the public an expectation of when they will see the account of what happened. It also mm-hmm. gives the police department or whoever is involved an opportunity to see exactly what happened. And then you use that along with the testimony to try to to calm fears. What, what, what I'm afraid of is that if there is an officer-involved shooting, and I pray that there's not, the community, and rightfully so, will want to see that footage immediately. Mm-hmm. And I will, as a chief, I won't be able to do that. And then that, will, that, that could cause mm-hmm. more strain. It can be released by the attorney general if it was 
a police-involved shooting that led to a death and the AG is independently investigating it, then the state gets to decide. The sooner you can get that video out so people can see what happened, the better, and especially if people have an expectation that they're going to get it in, say, 60 days. And down in Chicago, he said they were normally getting a video out in 30 to 40 days. I'm not so sure, like, say, in the incident with Sterling Brown in Milwaukee. He was a Milwaukee Bucks player who was in a disabled stall at a Walgreens late at night, and the police came, and rather than just ticketing him, they hassled him, they wound up tasing him. They were definitely in the wrong, and the camera footage quickly came out, showed that the officers were going overboard with Sterling Brown. I find it hard to believe that didn't change police behavior in Milwaukee. And I still find it so weird how many progressives would cite that as an incident where the cameras didn't stop the officers from harassing Brown, which is true. But the progressives argument was that so the cameras don't work. But no, the whole world can see how racistly horrible those Milwaukee cops were. And without those body cameras, they would have had no discipline. They would have just said, oh, yeah, he was combative and we we smacked him around a little bit and whatever. The camera footage is what held the cops accountable. The police would have said they treated him just fine and we wouldn't have the camera footage to show otherwise. So those police officers wouldn't have been disciplined. There couldn't have been a lawsuit, etc. I think body cameras are essential. Remember what Noble Ray said about body cameras, Scott? The former police chief of Madison? One of his officers shot a musician on the east side of Madison and Noble Ray said, boy, I wish I had a camera of that incident because he could have dealt with it. He could have either shown that the officer was justified or fired the officer on the spot for bad behavior. Yeah, here's what Chief Barnes said about cameras not changing behavior, but still informing the public. If the citizens believe that we're getting body-worn cameras in order to change the behavior of officers, then I need to be as frank about that as possible. The research is that it does not change the behavior of officers except for that first initial acclimation phase. What changes the behavior of officers is the tone that the chief sets, the customer service model that the chief sets, and our ability to hold each other accountable. Communities want body-worn cameras because they want to see what happens, and I believe they deserve to know as soon as possible, whether good or bad, whether the officer and some communities, we've seen it before, whether they overreacted, whether they didn't follow policy, you know, I want to be as transparent as possible. If, if, if we made a mistake or there's a training failure, we'll own it. But if we didn't and we, we, we did, we followed the law, we de-escalated, we did everything we had to do, I want to be able to show that as well. We have been supportive of cameras for a very long time. And what do we hear from everyone who doesn't like body cameras? On the left and the right. It's not a panacea. That's right. So body cameras are not a panacea, but just because it's not a panacea and solves every problem with policing doesn't mean it's not good progressive police policy to make sure our officers are wearing cameras. And so I hope that with the support from Police Chief Barnes, the community will kind of get behind this position finally. Nothing is a panacea. But police cameras definitely improve trust in police and outcomes. You know what is a panacea, Scott? Our podcast? Well, I was thinking Madison.com in general. I mean, if you want to have an informed citizenry that cares about issues and what's going on in the world, Madison.com is the panacea for that problem. 
Wow, way to slip that in, Phil. You just have to go to uh, madison.com slash subscribe now. What a wonderful place to go. A couple other things that we talked to with the chief. I just really like police that emphasize data. And he's not crunching numbers yet. He said he wants to make sure all the data is good that the cops are collecting. For example, when you do a police stop, some of the cops don't have computers in their cars. I didn't know that. I feel like every time I've seen a police car, it has a computer in it. Do you get pulled over often by the police, Scott? Because <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm an excellent driver, so it doesn't. I don't. I don't have a lot of interactions with the police. Getting well, first of all. I'm, a, I'm an excellent driver, and I'm white, so the cops don't pull me over very often in Madison. So I've got two things going for me. But you obviously must be a bad driver to see the cops inside a cop's car on a regular basis. No, they just pull up next to me in the, on the boulevard, and I wave, and I'm smiling. I say, oh, that's a nice computer they have there. I actually haven't been pulled over by an officer in forever. Like I said, because we're white. Well, and you drive like a grandma. Actually, I've been told by everyone in my family I drive like a grandma or grandpa. Don't want to be sexist. And data doesn't sound very sexy, uh, but progressive should be all behind it because it's the way you figure out whether police are pulling over a disproportionate number of black men for broken taillights and stuff like that. You, you don't find out that information without good data. And so good data can lead to more equitable policing and lets you handle some of the systemic racism that does exist in the policing industry. The other thing he said is he's worried about the timeliness of data getting into the police system where they can crunch it. So that if you've got three cars stolen and those reports haven't been filed for a long time, your data might be off. Or you go out to a site where there was a report of shots fired. You want to make sure that the officer who goes out and finds out it's fireworks that he goes back and reclassifies that so it's clear it wasn't shots fired. Those kind of things impress me, that he wants to use data to really improve how they operate. I liked when we asked him about recruiting, too. Granted, Madison's police department is quite diverse already. There is a higher percentage of Madison police officers who are black, for example, than the percentage of the black population in Madison. Nonetheless, I think we want to continue to diversify and also use data to find out why black people are being contacted by officers more often than others. I have not analyzed any data. I don't have any data plots yet because I want to be sure that the information that we have is the most accurate data. He talked about recruiting, not just advertising, he said, but recruiting like the football coach at UW recruits officers, where you uh, call people, maybe call their parents, maybe you go to churches and ask for recruits, maybe you pay officers a finder fee if somebody signs up to join the academy. And I've never heard before a police chief say he wants waiters and waitresses to join the force. Being more diverse in our recruiting. Now, when I say diverse, I'm talking about diversity of thought. I'm not talking about just simply skin color or background or, or ethnicity. And, and I would agree with that. That's exactly what we need in policing. It's been my experience that some of our best police officers come to us from the service industry. Uh, waiters, waitresses, those who work in factories, things of that nature, they tend to be great police officers because they understand service. They understand customers. They understand uh, how to relate to, to different people. I think Police Chief Barnes is going to build a force full of guardians and not warriors. The two types of police officers, there's the hotshot warriors who th see themselves as you know fighting crime versus the guardians who see themselves as serving a community. And he seems like the kind of uh, chief who's going to recruit the guardians who are going to keep our community safe and not people that are just out there to, to 
bust criminals' heads. We asked also about the State Journal's editorial campaign to take buses off of State Street and create a pedestrian mall, which has got a lot of excitement going in Madison. Off the top of his head, he wasn't sure what to say. I've been here for about three weeks, and I haven't seen any traffic on State Street other than me, you know, getting lost, going the wrong way. But in a subsequent email from him after he talked to his staff, it was interesting that the police sort of see it there's good and bad in doing that. On the one hand, if taking buses off reduce the number of eyes and ears on State Street, it could create some more problems. On the other hand, if officers have to get out of their squads because it's a mall and walk, that helps boost community policing. So I like that on an issue like that, he can see more than one side that he's that he, he thinks about problems or opportunities, not in a I'm against it or if I'm for it way, but let me think about the positives and the negatives there as the community's making its decision. I, I like that. I thought that was a, a pretty smart, good answer to a question that was sort of out of the blue to somebody who's just new to Madison. One of the problems with the last permanent police chief, Mike Koval, who was, I think a lot of officers really respected him, and he was, I think a lot of the community loved him too. We used to call him Kumbaya Koval, but he, he was not good at the politics side of being a police chief, you know, and being diplomatic with council and being diplomatic with community members who didn't like him. I'm hoping that Sean Barnes as a hostage negotiator will understand how to negotiate with city council in a more reasonable way. And especially when some of the uh, more vocal anti-police voices in the community take a council meeting hostage, maybe Sean Barnes can kind of talk him down a little bit. I think his demeanor, his credibility, not just as an African-American, but somebody who's served in a lot of different communities of different sizes, urban, more rural, Greensboro, a similarly sized city. I think he brings a lot to the table and so far so good. Off to a good start. And hopefully if we get cameras on officers sometime soon, when there is a controversial incident, whether it is a shooting, God forbid, or maybe it's something like it happened on the UW campus where it was a student being hauled out of a class that was very controversial. We can look and see what happened rather than just arguing about what we can't see. Our theme music is by Tube Tester.